Welcome to Light Treason News, pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today in our Friday episode by Meredith Clark. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing very well. It's a beautiful day. I am just spring crazy. Oh, my God. It's so nice. Guys, did you know the sun is a real thing that exists? Because we forgot about it in New York I City. I definitely thought it was something that only existed in Miami, but apparently and the movies, not. Yeah. The talkies. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, guys, obviously today, while we're in the pop culture section, I gotta talk about the Golden State Killer, baby. This was the biggest thing. I was so excited. Oh my God. So first of all, I knew who my true friends were because I woke up to a deluge of texts from people <laughs> from like... Two o'clock in the morning onward of people just being like, oh, my God, did you hear? Of course I heard. I checked my phone in the middle of the night and then I couldn't go back to sleep. So it seems as though right now, according to police, they have arrested um, a man named Joseph D'Angelo. Joseph James D'Angelo, if you want to get technical about it. And they believe him to be the Golden State Killer a.k.a. the original Night Stalker, a.k.a. the East Area Rapist. He has many different names. Um, Golden State Killer was popularized by Michelle McNamara, the author of I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is a great book that you should all read or listen to. It was the first audiobook I ever listened oh. to. <laughs> and it was great. I tell everyone it was like someone telling me a very... Um, interesting, scary story. I think I'm going to have to do the audiobook. I feel like my my love of, of listening to things has now gotten me into the idea yes, of audiobooks yeah, yeah. much well, more. I, that's why I listened to it because I was like, I've been listening to so many true crime podcasts. Yeah. I feel like that'll be really easy for me. And it was. It was really interesting. Um, I listened to it in like a week and I was done. But uh, I just thought it was so interesting that they held the press conference, which I want to talk about the press conference oh in a second. God. What a fucking carnival act that was. Uh, but that it happened on National DNA Day. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> cute guys, very cute. Um, so they hold this press conference and... It was so absurd. Ooh, it, first of all, it was so political where they were like basically advocating for a bunch of different bills that they want to pass in California, which concerned me because as valuable as DNA evidence obviously is, there are a lot of privacy concerns. Um, it's, it's a more nuanced conversation than I think a lot of people think it is. Yeah. DNA is not only useful because it catches criminals and occasionally sets people free. Right. Uh, it does have, yeah, there's lots of it can also, to worry about. There's a lot of problems with it, uh, problems with cross-contamination. People are being prosecuted for DNA evidence that seems foolproof, but it's not. So, yeah, exactly what the forensic sciences were talking about. DNA is no more a panacea than things like the weird junk science of of uh, footprint analysis yes. or... Hair follicle yeah. analysis. Yeah, all of that stuff. That CSI type stuff is thrown out of court all the time as we learn more and more about forensic evidence. So I just caution people anytime you think there's some kind of foolproof evidence, let's just be cautious about it. So they hold this press conference, very political. Uh, but the thing I kept thinking of was, listen, obviously there were people working very hard on this case sure. for for many decades and they should be applauded. But... It turns out <laughs> Joseph D'Angelo 
was a fucking police officer. Oh, yeah. And it took them 40 years to catch a serial rapist. And I know they didn't have DNA evidence back then. And it was a lot of like knocking on doors and doing stakeouts. And I don't want to make it seem like it was an easy thing. It wasn't. But turns out he was a police officer. So I just wrote in my notes, abolish the police. (laughs) I was like, it took you 40 years to catch a serial rapist and it turns out he used to be a fucking cop and if there had been if they had taken opportunities to really look at some of what sounds like was genuinely sketchy behavior based on information that they have now oh who knows mean, they, like you mean the fact that he shoplifted dog repellent and a fucking hammer yeah and as soon as he was like you know what i know that i'm represented by a absolute bear of a union i'm still just gonna leave rather than yeah, i'm not you know, gonna challenge it i don't want a hearing that didn't set off warning bells in anybody i mean head. the guy's only 72 years old yeah which means that when he did leave the force he was not an old man yeah. why somebody who at like what he would have been like 40 or something like yeah, that yeah probably uh why they didn't think and say that's odd right right and I mean, uh, as the details come out about this, it's just bone chilling because there were a lot of question marks about the East Area Rapists that are now slowly being answered. Yep. The more and more we learn about D'Angelo, a lot of people thought he must have had some kind of military background. He did. He served in Vietnam. Um, oh, I mean, they also identified him as the Visalia uh, Ransacker, Ransacker yeah. which was uh, a connection that authorities hadn't made before when it came to pulling all this yeah, and together in fact, michelle mcnamara I, th- I believe she thought they they weren't the same person mm-hmm. uh but yeah it turns out that was him as well and which makes sense in his timeline because uh that obviously was him escalating right and then he started killing people which is when he got the moniker east area rapist um but the one that i was like screaming when i heard about which uh was a lot of witnesses told the police that he would cry yeah. after he raped them and say, I'm sorry, mommy. And now they realize, except one woman said, I think he said Bonnie, Bonnie yeah. not mommy. Turns out D'Angelo was engaged to a woman named Bonnie. And she <gasps> called it off. She called off the engagement for some reason. <laughs> mm. And so now they think he was saying, I'm sorry, Bonnie, or fuck you, Bonnie. To his, I was like, ah, I screamed when I saw that. Also, a lot of people were confused that there was this lull between 81 and 86. Mm-hmm. Where did he go? Guess when his fucking daughters were born. Hmm, 1981 and 1986, guys. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Uh, another piece of the puzzle that fit perfectly in a place. Um, that's got to be, that's going to be a really fucked up support group when the yeah. children of uh, long dormant or you know serial killers and serial criminals who have been discovered after, mm-hmm. like finally identified after decades yeah oh man yeah it so the cops are being very um they're not sharing a lot of information with the press probably because there's going to be a trial and they don't want all of the evidence to come out but there's speculation that they obviously got him on DNA evidence yeah. and that probably the daughters cooperated with law enforcement yeah. to give them the DNA evidence. I was I have already listened to the My Favorite Murder Me episode too. about it. And I think <laughs> in the interview with um, What's-His-Face, the other writer from, yes. uh, I think he said that it was a familial DNA yeah. match. Yeah, so yeah. it does seem like, and then they had to go and find something. They had to stake out his house 
and wait in, until he left so that they could right um, and that some people thought maybe um my cats are in rare fucking form today desi where are you going buddy uh that maybe it was just a stakeout and they went through his trash right. but i think um that interview was when he said that gets very tricky because you can't prove he touched th- certain right. things and didn't touch other things so in all likelihood they probably went to the daughters right which they've done before with um serial killers and it's actually led to some very serious uh, debates about privacy mm-hmm. um i forget which serial killer it was but the cops ended up going to the daughter's gynecologist and getting samples yeah that is yeah not cool and a lot of people sort of cast away privacy concerns mm-hmm. when it comes to serial killers because they're like well they're such a threat to society let's do whatever we have to do to catch them that gets very tricky because it's like, well, his daughter's a fucking person, you know, yeah. is well, it okay and, to violate her privacy. And if something goes wrong there, or you talk to the woman, you talk to the child and they say no. And yeah. suddenly this becomes an issue. You know, I think that's when people start making weird choices. If yes. suddenly say the daughter says, Oh, they came and they want your, they wanted DNA for this thing. Maybe that means the killer suddenly starts getting sloppy and then you catch him on some other thing. You don't necessarily have to have it go. You don't have to be sneaking into somebody's gynecologist. I mean, can you I can't imagine. It's hard enough to go and sit with your feet in those stirrups and (laughs) deal with the speculum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Michelle McNamara was trying to get information from Ancestry.com because Mm -hmm. she had the printed out version of the Easteria Rapist uh, D'Angelo's DNA. Yeah. But she had to submit an actual sample and she was trying to get them where she's like, why can't I just submit the sequence and find out who his ancestors are? But then that obviously Ancestry.com was like privacy. You know, right. we, we can't do that. Right. And she was furious at them because she's like, I have his fucking DNA sequence. <laughs> just run it, you know. Um, but and there was all types of stuff, too, with like statutes of limitation, because a lot of people were wondering with the Golden State Killer, D'Angelo, why they just... Um, charged him with the murder of the one couple. Right. Well, I mean, all of the rapes, the statute of limitation would be passed. Well, yeah, especially for rape. It's super short. Yeah. Uh, murder, I think, is longer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they're just trying to get him on whatever they can get him on. But I know a lot of people were wondering about that. Also, and there's a lot of speculation about this. And I know the authors who helped finish Michelle McNamara's book yeah. tried to put this myth to bed a little bit. But... When the East Area rapes were happening and it was sort of at its peak, there was this town hall meeting that Mm -hmm. happened where a guy stood up during it and said, what kind of man lets another man come into his home and rape his wife and blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a few weeks, that guy's house was broken into by the East Area rapist. His wife was raped. Um, So there was a lot of speculation. Was the East Area rapist at the meeting? meeting? Yeah. So I've heard the co-authors say like the timeline doesn't quite match up, but now people are speculating again. Was he at the meeting as a fucking cop? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. What I can't stop thinking about is how many people saw him sneaking around and were like, what the fuck are you doing? And he flashed a badge and was like, I'm looking for the East area rapist. I'm securing the perimeter. Don't worry. And people were like, Oh great. It's a cop. Mm -hmm. (sighs) 
Even Guys. the shit about like shining a light in their face. I know. He's a cop. Or like people knew he had a police scanner, but they thought he was a civilian right. who had a police not scanner. A police scanner, not the police uh. scanner. Yeah. Guys, never ever, I mean, don't ever trust the police, period, but certainly never trust a cop without a partner walking around. He shouldn't be alone, ever. That yep. is shady as fuck. And that happens a lot of like people impersonating an officer. Uh, cops who are doing shady shit if they don't have somebody with them I mean they can do shady shit with a partner too obviously but it's especially a huge warning sign if they are on their own where's his cop car is he in a uniform where's his partner yeah what is going like why exactly are you out here yeah and you know that is a time when it's definitely a good idea to ask some very skeptical questions yeah. about and what somebody's up to. And you can call the cops to. on somebody claiming to be a cop, you know? Yeah. You can absolutely do that. It is still a crime to impersonate an officer. Yeah. Um, so while we're in the pop culture section, guys, thank you for letting me rant about that because it's literally all I've been thinking about. I had an improv show last night and I was talking everyone's ear off oh my God. about the ear. <laughs> the serial rapist that's the acronym uh and people were like wow you're really into this i was like yes i am very much so because people have been searching for this motherfucker for 40 years <laughs> it's a big fucking deal he got caught oh the press conference when the one of the victim's brothers oh said, I, yeah i definitely saw that when he's like you can rest well he won't be coming through your window and like oh god it was Really moving. I wish they had allowed more advocates and family members to speak because it was like, that's what it's really about. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear your fucking political agenda right now. <laughs> These people's lives were, you know, changed forever. And now there is There's finally a chance for closure yeah, after exactly. deep trauma. And like, obviously, you never fully recover from something like that. But that always had to be a fear. I mean, as of 2001, he called one of his victims to taunt her. Mm -hmm. That was another thing about the Golden State Killer guys, he didn't just rape and terrorize people. He would then continue to terrorize them for years afterwards, calling them, saying shit like, remember when we played? Stuff like that. <sighs> yeah. So never giving them a moment's peace. And of course, you, no matter how old he actually was getting, they probably still had that fear. Like, of is course. he going to come back? You know? Well, you don't know. It does. Just because someone's older doesn't mean they're not still fucking dangerous as hell. Well, like, you cops, have no idea. The way the cops went into his house, they, because he was infamous for being very um, physically fit. And it turned out he was a diver, you know, like he would jump over fences and run across roofs. And like, right. so they busted into his house. Like they were ready for him to book it. And then he turns out he aged very badly and wasn't going anywhere. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine why he would have let himself go. Uh, what could have caused him <laughs> yeah. to age badly? What psychological torture could have been haunting him? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but while we're in the pop culture section still, you recommended a very good trailer to me. Yes. Uh, which I am a huge... So, upcoming this uh, summer is a film called Sorry to Bother You. It was a big hit at the Sundance Film Festival uh, in January and has gotten picked up immediately. It's written and directed by Boots Riley of The Coup, mm -hmm. uh, the famous Oakland-based Marxist uh, rapper. Yes. And uh, revolutionary. 
And it stars Lakeith Stanfield and Army Hammer and Terry Crews and Glenn from uh, The Walking Dead and Tessa Thompson, uh, all in a movie that's about uh, dystopian capitalism, uh, sales, uh, revolution, and <laughs> black power. So I'm pretty it has it fucking all. excited it has it for all. this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. And one of the reasons why I had to bring it up to Allison today was that uh, in my mind, I can't wait for the premiere when Boots Riley is walking the carpet next to his buddy, Tessa Thompson, mm-hmm. and she brings her dear friend, partner in crime, maybe girlfriend, newly out <sighs> goddess, Janelle Monet. How hot would it be if they're a couple? I mean, the internet has been, the gay internet has been on this for years, carefully stalking them on red carpets and at events. So we've got a lot of evidence that they are certainly very dear to one another. And that's that's great enough as it is. Absolutely. But I love the thought. Damn. (laughs) Um, So I have this like wonderful fantasy of like future feminist Uh, pansexual icon Janelle Monae kicking it with Boots Riley and then like just jamming. Uh. I love, uh, I love, I love. Yeah. And right. And that uh, Janelle Monet came out as queer yes. in the new cover story for Rolling Stone. Uh, Did she come out as bi? She said as a queer black woman, and she says, I've dated men and I've dated women. Okay. And she, I think she said she identified with bisexuality and pansexuality. So she didn't put a specific label on herself, sure. but did Nor make did it she very. Need to. Yeah. yeah. She made it very clear that she is uh, not to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's she's all about being a freaky ass feminist. I love it. I love it. Oh my god, guys, if you haven't seen the video for Pink, what are you doing? Oh. Go check out the pussy pants. They're amazing. Uh so I also wanted to talk about this weird ass story with Joy Reid because Twitter blew the fuck up. Um so I have criticized Joy Reid a lot in the past I, I wrote a book in mm-hmm. which i criticized her because she had said um extremely transphobic and homophobic things in the past so she did this not just on her blog which she she keeps stressing like oh this was you know like a Years decade ago, ago. Yeah. yeah um she did this when she had a television show she um she said that chelsea manning was mentally ill when she said that she uh, came out as transgender so, and her hatred of Chelsea Manning was so intense just from the start. It was bad. The the fact that she was able to, you could just tell that her discomfort with Chelsea in general yes. let, was feeding some of her desire to see her right. in prison forever. So this was not a super long time ago. She apologized for some of her behavior and comments, not all of them. But the latest uh, bout of, um, I don't know, claims and homophobia is that uh, there were these newly discovered homophobic posts from her blog, and Joy Reid claimed they were fabricated. Yeah, that she, that somehow someone <laughs> hacked the Wayback Machine. Which, if you don't, the Wayback Machine is just an internet archive website, so it shows you content from websites that might have been otherwise scrubbed. Mm-hmm. So she's claiming the Wayback Machine was hacked. And these, like, fake posts were put up. Mm-hmm. Um, MSNBC has not commented on it. No. Um, a lot of people who work for MSNBC and are on MSNBC have not commented on it. It seems like they're trying to distance themselves from the comments because they're so strange. Yeah. Um, there's been no evidence presented that the Wayback Machine was in any, any way... 
and the people that run with? that have have hit back very yes. strongly in terms of because that's a serious accusation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've you know, and they were very clear that we've analyzed everything. There's absolutely no evidence that, that we were compromised in any yeah. way. This is you know, it doesn't even make sense given how this works, and it seems very, you know, it's it's a very like I was hacked is one of the oldest. <laughs> Bad defenses. The dog ate my homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of I the internet hacked. age. Yeah, yeah, sure. But what I don't get is if you're gonna apologize for some of it, right? Why, why not, not just, just keep apologize apologizing? For all of it? Like, yeah. oh shit, yeah, that's more of that bad stuff I used to do. But you guys know I don't feel that way anymore, and I've apologized for it. Like, why did she cop to some of it but not all of it? Yeah, I mean, I think that it it comes down to there's only get out of here so much she's really ready to disavow sure that like she was thinking that she could kind of put the public statements into the past far enough that she could get you know move move on but now that there's this other stuff that says oh you're actually much more open about your discomfort with Mm. gay people and trans people than you have tried to make yourself seem recently that that means like she kind of I think she probably just still doesn't understand and won't like yeah. can't quite get to the the right spot there or maybe a little pissed off like I cop to some of it why don't you let me slide on the rest of it yeah. Fuck you guys you know um yeah like one of her anti-gay comments on the website was she said most straight people cringe at the sight of two men kissing which what Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I've seen people get very defensive about this because there are a few people, quite a few people who work for MSNBC who have been discredited, who should not be working there anymore. Brian Williams, for fucking example. Mm -hmm. Why does Brian Williams still have a job? He is a serial liar. He's been, it's been proven he's a serial liar, yet somehow, because he's a cis white man, he still has a job. Yeah. So I saw some people sort of defending Joy because they were like, well, why are these people not held to the same mm-hmm. standard as like Joy Reid? And I get that, but what Joy did was really bad. Well, and also, like, MSNBC completely fucked over Melissa Harris Perry. Oh my God. For having like someone who is genuinely inclusive and incredibly Mm. clear in everything she does and says that she wants to make the world a better place. And she believes people have the right to their identities and to live openly and happily and healthily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she got pushed out, not for that. She, for it was over silly politics and fear of, of conservatives. And so now they've put joy in a position where they, they can avoid grappling with this. The, the higher ups can avoid grappling with Mm. the truly shit, like true shittiness of her comments. Uh, in the name of keeping diverse voices and popular characters while also not having to deal with someone being quite as difficult. Like she toes yes. the line for them in a she way does. that makes it a lot, you know, I she's think a it's safer. Yeah, she's a safer bet. pundit. Yeah. Um, or host of a show. Yeah. So uh, before we run out of time in the pop culture section, I also wanted to talk about the update with Kanye and his support of uh, Trump. Trump has now thanked him on I Twitter that. for his support. My favorite side by side, you know, when people like go through someone's timeline and it's like um, shot chaser. So Kanye tweeting, I don't have a manager anymore. I can't be managed with this tweet. 
My wife just called me and she wanted to make this clear to everyone. I don't agree with everything Trump does. I don't agree 100% with anyone but myself. So I love that he's like, I don't have a manager. And then Kim called him and was like, the fuck is going on? (laughs) Uh, He also like posted because people were like, Kanye's in the sunken place. And he took a photo of their home and was like, does this look like the sunken place? Because they have like a $60 million house. Although it was incredibly minimalist and white. And so I like it. Somebody kind of did look like the sunken place. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think Gabby Sidibe tweeted something like, uh, kind of. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> so then Kim tweets him and is like, hey, babe, are we just posting photos of our home on social media now? Because we had an agreement that we weren't going to do that. My favorite comment, hands down, was someone, some media outlet picked up on the photo and said their $20 million home. And Kris Jenner gets on Twitter, retweets, and she goes, wrong again. Their home is worth $60 million. <laughs> like, she was pissed off because they underappraised the house. I was like, oh, mwah. classic Kris Jenner move. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of people are comparing this Kanye with the Kanye who said uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people and what a, a dramatic turnaround this is. I have said before, like, I don't feel comfortable making fun of him because to me, it seems pretty clear that he's manic. Yeah. And and there's some mental illness stuff going on. I know Kim Kardashian West pushed back on that where she was like, you guys don't know my husband. You don't know his mental health mm-hmm. status. I'm like, that's totally fair, too. I, I don't feel comfortable being an armchair psychologist. I'm just saying, like. Having seen how his behavior in public over many, many years, it does seem very erratic. It seems very strange. He has been very candid about his his struggles with mental illness. Yeah. He he writes about them in, in his music. So it's not like he hasn't talked about it. But I get why she's also like, you know, fuck you guys. You don't know us. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, there's... It's there. Oh, it's such a quagmire. I mean, come on. Like we can't how... deny that he is now supporting someone who actively hurts black people yeah. and the black community, and that is and really it dangerous. Actively despises him. Yeah. I mean, this is not. He's a using secret. Kanye. He's yeah. using Kanye to gain legitimacy within the black community. He is a hundred percent being used by Trump, and it's it's sad. And I get why a lot of people are very angry about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, like Kanye is going to Kanye, Kanye's and we're gonna all Kanye. we're going to be better off if we just kind of let him like have his meltdown and then sure. figure it out. Cause sure, yeah, whatever and the reason. Listen, you don't have to support him. You don't have to buy his music. You don't have to buy into any of it. So if if it has angered you to that point, boycott. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, guys, it's that time. Here is your bad news. Mm. Okay, we're going to have to talk about the fact that no matter how badly cis white dudes fuck up, they're allowed their redemption story and their redemption tour and redemption careers. And the latest example of this, Charlie fucking Rose is reportedly set to host a show about men brought down by the hashtag Me Too movement. I will only accept this as a thing <laughs> if it is actually part of a extremely elaborate revenge strategy by women who were targeted by the Charlie Roses, the Louis C.K.'s, and the Matt Lowers right. to get them all into a room together <laughs> and ambush them yeah. with a, I'm sorry, yeah. uh, 
you guys have to like, no, you do not. Because I'm just imagining like, honestly, it's it's a to catch a predator situation where like Charlie Rose is sitting, you know, in the kitchen and <laughs> like the, you know, Matt Lauer walks in and he's like, why did you think you were here today? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just recap for anyone who's forgotten. Um, Charlie Rose was accused of sexual misconduct by 17 women. And like pretty egregious stuff, like yes. walking around naked and flapping his genitals at them. Oh, wouldn't that just make your day, though, to see Charlie Rose's flaccid fucking penis? His old dangling. No, you're not into that? Weird, Meredith. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I. it's disgusting to me that no matter how badly a man like Charlie Rose fucks up, no matter how many people he hurts, inevitably he is allowed a moment of redemption. And it's like, why? But also, like, what... What are they even going to talk about? I mean, I know like this are the backstory is that Tina Brown was being interviewed uh, earlier this week and she brought it up saying that she had been approached to go like to talk on the show and sort of be a part of this. Right. Uh, like apology. I guess we don't even know for sure if it's a true apology, apology to her. Yeah. Apologies. You know, is is this public flagellation that's supposed to make us feel sorry for them? Is this going to be, you know, I mean, I'm just imagining like what happens when people say Alec Baldwin is an asshole and he starts talking? Like, yeah. are they just going to talk about how how bad they feel and how bad everything made them feel and how much they want things to get well, back to normal? You and know? I, I think it's like, however you want to identify on the left, like progressive, whatever. We do believe in rehabilitation, right? We don't believe in throwing away people forever um, because they fucked up. Like, if someone is truly truly sorry and goes out of their way to educate themselves and tries to do good afterwards it's like people should be allowed to do that right but don't um, you think that but, that's something yeah go ahead. but i think there's a difference between if charlie rose privately did that in his own life and started giving money to like feminist causes yeah. and like working for like uh, gender equality versus giving him his own show again yeah. i think that's the difference where it's like yeah you get to yeah. you're you're gonna get to profit off of right. of this and it, and I, I w- kind of want to push back a little bit on the idea that we do owe certain, like some people redemption. Because I think right. that there's, it's very different, you know, like here's a dumb example that isn't quite perfect, but we'll start with it. There's a difference between calling out Timothy Chalamet for being in a Woody Allen movie sure. and him saying, you know, that was a fuck up on my part and here are the places I'm donating my salary right. from from that and I'm going to do better. Mm. Uh, or what? people who get called a out for... angel. Sorry. I know. <laughs> I know, I just want to run my hands through his hair <laughs> while we talk about social justice. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Uh, but, or someone who who is, you know, who has a... Uh, like if Joy Reid had said, yeah, you know what? I really screwed up and I had a really like shitty opinions yeah. and I, I, it's important that I apologize for all of them and I'm going to do better. You know, two decades of mm. like deep harassment of multiple people. I mean, I guess it's the like, these people are serial predators. Yes. In and a I, way I that, be you clear know, too, like I'm not talking in terms of like personal forgiveness because it's up to each of those 17 women if they ever choose to forgive him. Right. And if they choose to never forgive him, that's a thousand percent valid. I think you're, I think it's definitely absolutely true that there is absolutely none of these men 
should be anywhere near a camera or a media outlet, any position to have that because that is, it's too soon. Like if you have, you know, you lose your job, you're probably go through a divorce. It takes you more than three or four months to go through the necessary therapeutic processes Mm -hmm. to start feeling okay about where you're going to go in life and, and coming to like figuring out a new path. The idea that these people who spent their whole lives terrorizing women and not just women, let's remember that both Charlie Rose and Matt Lauer were accused of being horrendous employers who were deeply abusive to their employees beyond just the women of shit in general. Yeah. Uh, That like, that's where we can say, oh, yeah, you do not deserve yeah, any the, the benefits here. Question of leverage and power is a big one. Because, like, that was always my big fear when Louis C.K. would come to UCB. Like, the fact that he was around female interns, which is why mm-hmm. I always warned the female interns not to be alone with him. Um, and, like, everybody, like, literally everybody there knew what he had done. Right. None of us were powerful enough to, like, stop mm-hmm. him. Yeah, of course. We could only just, like, warn each other. But that was always my concern because it was always, like, he's still a very powerful man. And if he's around these younger women, he has the opportunity to, you know, manipulate them and, right. and violate them. And that would be my concern with Charlie Rose ever having a platform again. It's, like, what is going to stop him right. from doing the exact same thing all over again. Like clearly he knows there aren't serious consequences. Yeah. He and the, might I, have another show. <laughs> I mean, what dick tried to green light this? I, you know, honestly, probably another predator. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true. Somebody who's really worried. Very that, sympathetic yeah. to mm-hmm. what he's going through. Yeah. Um, so I also wanted to talk about this attack in Toronto um, where, Alec uh, Manassian allegedly killed 10 people with a van. Uh, And now we're learning more about him. And it turns out, and you guys will be shocked to hear this, he is part of a toxic online community of misogynists who refer to themselves as incels. And it's been honestly kind of adorable seeing um, usually men Mm -hmm. in the media finally learning about what incels means what so in case you don't know what (laughs) incels is uh this is a a shorthand term for involuntary celibates it's a bunch of very sad men who claim that women are depriving them of sex Mm -hmm. refusing to fuck them how dare they and now they are incels and that's why they're so uh angry and and they act out in violent ways so this is a big term, obviously, on Reddit and 4chan. But women, feminist writers, have been talking about this forever. So, so many years. So long that this toxic community existed and these guys are dangerous and they're going to act out and they're going to hurt people. And unfortunately, it takes a horrific act like this in Toronto for the media to talk about it in a serious way. I mean, we can call this a misogynist terrorist attack. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it was... Yes, we can. I mean, Elliot Rogers filmed himself talking about how women are bitches and won't fuck him. Yeah. Oh, and incidentally, uh, Manassian posted and Facebook confirmed that this was it was a real post uh, where he he called himself a sergeant. Manassian in the incel <laughs> army the uprising starts now and then he says all hail the supreme gentleman Elliot Roger because now oh, Elliot great. Roger has become great. a icon and almost like a religious figure he's a martyr to the incel cause yeah which like let's just take a moment to appreciate that 
that's a thing that even has to exist in the world. Yeah, and of course, it's it's no surprise because there's a lot of overlap in a lot of these stories where we hear about misogyny. There's also a lot of racism, um, and that was the case with his online rants as well. Um, some more incel speak in case you were unfamiliar with that community. They refer to good-looking men as chads, and they refer to uh, the women who are into chads as Stacy's. Yeah, and I will say... I mean, nobody likes a Chad. No. I mean, it's like, I know not some, in the incel speak. I, I actually know, know good one Stacey's. good Chad. I know, yeah. I, I know, know good Stacey's. I know good Stacey's. I even know a good Chad. Do you? I really feel like they should have gone with Kevin. Oh, I know a lot of good Kevin. Oh, well, I mean, I guess you do know a lot of Irish people, so. <laughs> I do. I know all of them. It's weird. Um, uh, but yeah. yes, I will say, I feel my my feelings about, like, Chad is a is an all purpose. This person is not great, so I can go with that. But mm-hmm. Stacy, come on, that's so eighties. Yeah, they're just like I feel like they've been watching too much Miami Vice, and then suddenly you're <laughs> like, oh my problem. god. Yeah. Well, I brought this up with you before we were recording. I was always very confused about the branding of the incel movement, incels movement, because I was always kind of like, why would they publicly cop to being such massive losers? That And I don't mean to equate, like, there are people who choose not to have sex, who don't have sex a lot. That's not a judgment no, call. These are, this is a group of people who talk at length about how much they, they want desperately to want to be having sex and, and how can. furious they are that they're not. But also, Wouldn't they have a very... That's, that's my thing. Like, But you pointed out to me that that's kind of part of it. That yeah. it's it's this sick kind of self-loathing yeah but also it's 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 tied to who they think they're not involuntarily celibate because i mean we say no one will fuck them and what we like no one should be fucking them obviously because they're monsters but these are people who believe they're entitled to sex with women that they consider to be attractive who fit into a specific model of attractiveness so they could potentially if they had a desire to go out and be realistic about their gross whatever Mm -hmm. pasty i mean i'm pasty too so guys it's okay i'm also pasty uh but I'm imagining basement dweller or, you know, sure. fashionness. Um, a little jaundiced, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they don't have a realistic idea of who they should be trying to go out with because they think that they're owed models and actresses. Tens, yeah. And yeah, they're like, you know, when honestly, like, they need to be a little more. And I, you've got to be realistic. Sometimes yeah. you're... And also, if they were just better, like, if they were slightly more well-adjusted misogynists, they could fuck a three and it would be fine. Well, I'm also like, become an interesting Sorry, that's incredibly person. bad. Yeah, like, uh, we shouldn't be, be rating women. Yeah, but like... <laughs> become interesting learn to play a fucking instrument learn another language like you can be an unattractive guy but if you have a phenomenal personality and you treat women with respect you will find someone who's a great person well and also the whole thing just supposes a level of objectivity to attractiveness and 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 human sexuality that we all know is completely absurd. These people are so full of hatred for themselves because of the toxic sludge that's been pumped into their brains about what they're supposed to want and what they're supposed to get and what they can't, that they don't take the time to think about what qualities they might want in a person that would give them a chance to think about where they would want to go to meet those people or what qualities they want in themselves that would put them in the path of, of... 
They want to put forth zero effort and have women fall at their feet like they're an emperor because they think that's what they're out. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's not the way the real world works, dude. So, and also this is, there's an easy way to tie it into some of the more disturbing rhetoric after Parkland. And one of those, Mm -hmm. one of the young women that has been very vocal, she wrote a, uh, she wrote an op-ed for the New York times about that was like pushing back on the narrative of like, uh, walk up not out where you say oh well maybe if you go if you had just talk you know the idea if you just talked to nicholas cruz sure more, the creepy that, guy that, they reported to the school multiple yeah. times for bothering women right just try to be his friend more <laughs> and that but that's the same that leads to the same concept that the incels are talking about yes. which is that no matter how maladjusted a young man or an old man might be, mm-hmm. women still have an obligation to do their best to right. find the good in them, to see them like they're and, and like, to set aside their own discomfort, their own right. yeah. Because it's not fear. about them because right. they're like we're supposed to do the labor of turning these people into Save them. Yeah. Yeah. They're going like to take them from slugs to like I don't know, a lion. Right. Like a, a sex panther. <laughs> a sex panther. Yeah. There we go. To go from a sea slug to a sex panther. Like, that's our job somehow. It's sure. not uh, It's not their responsibility or to Or the school's responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this goes without saying for you guys, because I know you wouldn't think this, but this is oftentimes uh, the response when people hear about stuff like what happened in Toronto. Please, please don't tell violent misogynists to go to sex workers. Dear God. Don't do that. That is terrible for the sex workers. It puts them in danger and it's not their job. Um, it's it's the duty of the young man or old man in question to fix his own shit and yeah. not be a unruly monster. The, the problem is, as always, is the violence. It is not the sex or lack of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's that time, guys, before you run off to the rest of your day. Here is your good news. Woo-hoo! So, and I know I don't need to preface this anymore because if you've been listening to Light Trees and News, you know this is so often the case. <laughs> All of my good news items have to do with something bad happening to my enemies. So we have to start with one of the big enemies, obviously. Sean Hannity is in a little bit of legal trouble now because it turns out he has um, been making certain real estate ventures that have been linked to a fraudulent property dealer. I can't imagine Sean Hannity ever doing anything unethical. Isn't it? Didn't it just shake you to your core when you were really? It? Yeah, couldn't believe it. Uh, so it turns out a shell company tied to uh, Hannity bought homes through Jeff Brock, who was charged in 2016 with fraud and conspiracy for his role in a scheme to rig auctions on foreclosed properties. Oh, classy! It's got so many of my favorite uh, fraud things. Yum 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 yum. And of course, the reason we know all of this is because it's coming out. Uh, in the Michael Cohen case, which <sighs> my guy. other good news uh, piece of uh, my other piece of good news also has to do with Michael Cohen. And I just find it hilarious. And I'll explain why in a second. Um, he has now pleaded the Fifth Amendment in the Stormy Daniels suit, which means um, the the uh, the right to not self-incriminate. He prefers to remain quiet because anything that comes out of his mouth is going to um 
lead to him being prosecuted. Don't you just love that, though? I mean, yeah. he can't, he they just can't open his mouth because literally anything they ask him is just going to be, no nope, Terror. It's either going to be a lie or self-incriminating. So yeah. he is just staying quiet. The reason it's so funny to me is Trump, not that long ago, tweeted something about anybody who pleads the fifth is obviously guilty. <laughs> So here we are. I mean, obviously, that's not true. Sometimes people plead the fifth for valid reasons. Michael Cohen is not pleading the fifth for a valid reason. He's 100% guilty and is just staying quiet. Now. Oh, yeah. He is, he is a bad person. And, and yeah. the fifth, pleading the fifth is not going to stop him from going to prison. No, I hope not. Um, I mean, the last time he opened his mouth, he had to give up Sean Hannity's name. So... Yeah. That's probably why he's like, I'm going to keep everything to myself now. I don't want to have to admit anything else I did in terms of Stormy Daniels or anything I did for Trump ever. Because, you know, Stormy Daniels was not the only shady fucking thing he did. Although just this morning, Thursday morning, Trump called into Fox and Friends and started seeing a bunch of random (sighs) crazy shit that was also so incriminating that the Fox and Friends hosts were frantically trying to get him off the phone because he could not stop saying saying things that were obviously going to be usable in court. What I don't understand... Yeah, I mean, obviously they were trying to cover his ass in that moment, but he must have fans at Fox News who... It's it's curious to me. I mean, they're just concerned with ratings, obviously, but why no one there has been like, hey, maybe don't talk to us, because you... We'll get in trouble. I don't know. Do you think that Donald Trump would listen to anyone no. about that? That's a good point. Yeah. Really, yeah. There's That's just a no very way. good point. I have my own bit of schadenfreude, bad things happening to bad people. Yes. Uh, saying goodbye to now former nominee for Veterans Affairs Secretary, yes. Ronnie Jackson. Rest in peace. Uh, and not just because he was a bad guy who was clearly not qualified to run the VA, uh, but because of the way in which he got, he finally was forced to step down because yeah. he had been facing a lot of scrutiny. A lot of senators had had a lot of questions about his capabilities and his ethics. Several reports from former colleagues, someone called him the most unethical person I've ever met. <laughs> which is like, wow. Um, <laughs> And, you know, that he was a nightmare, that he was horrible to people. Then finally, the thing that undid him was the information that at one point he had crashed a car while drunk and working. I mean, who among us, though, has yeah. not found themselves his, in that situation? Yeah. His first his first attempt to respond to this is, I've never crashed a car while drunk. And he was like... <laughs> Was da, it da, a van? Were you silence? on a secret service golf cart? Right. Like, what was the thing? We're concerned about the emphasis on a car. Yeah, <laughs> it's really. I'm just like, I, you know. But who hasn't gotten drunk? Also, the fact that there were many reports that he uh, was trying to write prescriptions for himself. Oh, great! That he was great, also great, great. Uh, yep. giving out prescription medication. Uh, like opioids and uh, sleep medication for um, like two people on airplanes. I guess at one point he was handing out, they called him the candy man allegedly (laughs) because he would hand out Ambien's like candy. That's what everybody was talking about. I was like, why is everybody talking about a candy man? Well, the best part is that like several people who have worked in political journalism spent a lot of time trying to defend that because, Hey, Mm. you have, you're on a long flight and you have to get up and immediately do work. You want to go to sleep. So an Ambien was, like it's really not all that bad because everybody really did need to get some rest and I was like okay but like first of all we don't have to operate things that way and people could potentially get some sleep yeah also 
Ambien is not like a friendly drug. Mm. Like if you take Ambien and stay up, like that's when people end up. Yeah. yeah, You trip real hard. Yeah. People end up spending thousands of dollars on eBay or Mm. sometimes they drive. Well, that's another thing. Like no one's saying that if you legitimately need help sleeping, you shouldn't have access to medication it's just that this was an incredibly shady way to get the medication yeah at a time when he was like the staff physician or something his job was to like you know try and be a decent doctor and he yeah. was just Especially like, like everybody during a time when there was a very serious opioid crisis in the united states and supposedly the administration is working to counter that to have a physician handing out opioids yeah. is like hmm i'm confused by the messaging happening right now yeah i mean i'm still like all of that aside, just, I mean, drunk on the job. Like, Ugh. that's normally something for the Secret Service, not the doctors. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's for the Secret Service who are terrorizing people. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up this episode, I realized we blew through the pop culture section because of the Golden State Killer, guys. Extraordinary circumstances. So I sometimes ask people at the end of the episode, like, have you seen anything that's made you happy? Meaning like in the city or on the subway, but feel free to also talk about like if you're reading anything or watching or listening to anything. Uh, so uh, this is such a braggy one. Um, no, earlier this week on Tuesday, I had the chance to spend the day at the Tribeca Film Festival. Dope. Uh, specifically in the um, interactive like 360 video VR Oh, cool. Section and that uh, installation, which is down in Tribeca on Spring Street at a place called Spring Studios, because uh, two dear friends of mine have a VR video production company, and one of their documentaries was in the Tribeca Festival. Oh, cool. uh, As a part of a VR for social good, um, like little slate of films uh and that movie is called she flies by her own wings and it's about uh shannon scott i think her name is no i can't remember of course she's a uh she works for the faa she's a transgender veteran she's been doing an enormous amount of work uh advocating for trans soldiers and trans veterans um trans service members all across in all of the different branches uh she's a fascinating wonderful woman so that was their film uh and then i also spent several hours wandering around the vr arcade where there were dozens of different installations following different like vr and ar stuff so i saw you sit down in a little like area that had a you know it's like you're sitting down at a table for a dinner party and you put on the headset and you put on the headphones and suddenly you're like in a dinner you're at the dinner party and it's like based on a real event that was like a ufo sighting in massachusetts how good are like the graphics pretty good like there were a few that were a little more animated than others um but i saw one that was like of an underwater photographer and you like are underwater with him when he's like in the middle of a bunch of sharks oh wow and that one's like super realistic yeah yeah. uh i also saw like there was a creepy like a scary movie uh 12 minute short film that was produced and directed by alexander aja Mm -hmm. who did the hills have the hills have eyes remake and a few Mm -hmm. other things um so like that was pretty cool because you get to see a werewolf like disemboweling a child. Oh wow! Um, but in VR, the dream in like three. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh yeah. It was, like, it was really it was as immersive as I wanted That's it to be. That's really cool. Yeah. So then that was just a few of them. I mean, there's Do lots you of other when stuff. VR bars were like a thing for a hot minute. I 
don't but wow there were a couple places in the city where it was literally just like two tables set up and then Mm -hmm. the headsets yeah and people would go in pay there's still i saw one recently in the city and i was like oh wow it's still open but it was like a thing for a minute yeah so yeah i mean this is like very niche but it was so cool to see all of these you know there's like documentaries on africa narrated Mm -hmm. by lupita nyango and there was one that like is about the conflict in Syria and it puts you in the middle of a drone strike and having to like get or like a bombing raid in like a, a Syrian city mm. and there's stuff that's wow. you know things that are funny and stuff about punk rock and things about other environments like so a lot of like cool something as simple as like you're on a fire escape in a gentrified you know in a neighborhood and it's yeah. like an immersive experience about gentrification and about community um so I like it I definitely left with a totally different sense of what's happening mm-hmm. in that like technological space and think that, you know, if we can figure out if they can figure out ways to make it a little bit more accessible to people, that there's a lot of really interesting things that, mm-hmm. you know, can come out of it. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, on a completely different note, I am getting <laughs> up tomorrow at like 7 a.m. to see uh, Infinity War. <laughs> Hmm. It's the only time I could get a ticket, a 9 a.m. movie ticket. Oh, my God. Which theater are you going to? That's a good question. I got to check my Fandango. I literally was just like, where is there a ticket available? Yeah. And Fandango's like, you want to see it at 9 a.m. on Friday? And I was like, yep. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll be in a three-hour movie uh, at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Just bring a big <clears throat> coffee. Yeah, which means on Monday's episode, I can give you guys an Infinity War review. No spoilers. Don't worry. I'm usually pretty thoughtful about that. Um, oh, I actually got uh, some random person on Twitter uh, was willing. I was like, I don't know if I have the patience to sit don't through three tell hours. Me anything. But I was like, he was like, oh, yeah, if you want, he's like, DM me and I'll D or he's like, if you DM me, I'll DM you what happens. I was just like, somebody tell me who dies. I was so and mad like- at you when you tweeted that. I was like, <laughs> if I see anything, if I hear anything, I'm going to be furious. I have obviously my suspicions, but yeah. I don't want anything confirmed. Don't worry. Well, obviously, Great. I'm not going to say it, but now I know and okay. I feel like I'm much more satisfied. And I, I want to be blindsided. I want to feel the crushing sadness live as it happens yeah so and, i'm you know, going in blind on things i'm not i'm sure not going to make me happy but i am excited about sure. the handmaid's tale is back yep i haven't seen yeah. the premiere of this season yet there are the first two episodes are up and Ooh. i am probably gonna torture myself by watching them tonight yeah um but i have to really work myself into the right state for it that show i enjoyed it so much the first season but there were moments where i was like i gotta hit pause this is too real yeah apparently that's even more the case in the first two episodes okay yeah i've never enjoyed a show so much and had that reaction where i'm like all right yeah i gotta (laughs) i gotta gotta mentally brace myself before i watch this because uh it's what's happening guys it's what's gonna happen yeah Yeah, don't don't binge watch it it's way too much like living real life yeah yeah the fucking protest on the bridge (sighs) i was like nope god nope 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 because this is like my fear (laughs) because we were at protests like that (laughs) i was like oh yeah um so yeah guys light trees and news is 100 percent listener supported so that means without your support I can't keep doing the show. So thank you to everyone who has signed up at lighttreason.news recently. Um, you can support the show for as little as $5 a month or a one-time donation. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. 
Over there, I announced the uh, online hangout for my $10 a month supporters and higher is this Saturday. So I hope you guys can make that at um, 12 uh, at noon Eastern time until 2 o'clock. Uh, my $5 a month members over at Patreon, send questions that you want answered on Light Trees and News. I will get to them. Um, I always see them. I have an email to myself <laughs> to answer them. We don't answer them every episode, but I will get to them there. And hello to our $50 a month supporters at Light Trees and News who can see our little faces right oh, now yeah. because it's a Friday video pod day. Um, once again, that is only for Light Trees and News members. At the website, $50 a month and higher, they get access to the Friday video pods. They get to see the kitties. Anytime I'm making a vague uh, gesture that I know no one can see on the regular podcast, the video pod people know what I'm talking about because they can see our little faces right now. Mm. And uh, please follow Meredith on Twitter, Meredith L. Clark. How the hell is Rosie? She's so good. Guys, if you don't follow Rosie on social media... I don't know how to help you. At Rosa Luxembourg on Instagram. So much goodness. I realized today is take your child to work day. And I'm like, you. Pro- I probably should have insisted you bring Rosie. Oh but I God, don't yeah. think my cats are ready for that energy level not, yet. Not another dog. Between already meeting a dog this week Harley. and dealing with Rosie's immense energy. Rosie yeah. has way more energy than Charles's dog, Harley. Harley's very old, very tiny. And weirdly, if I had predicted what would happen, I would have said Penny's going to be awful to her. Yep. Desi's going to be very open and curious. And the exact opposite happened. Penny was a little sweet angel, walked up to Harley, delicately sniffed her face, and then was like very respectful the whole time. Desi hissed at her. I've never heard Desi hiss. I was like in disbelief for a second that it had happened. Yeah. I told Meredith... I had never heard Desi hiss to the point where I Googled, do boy cats not hiss? Because I was just convinced. I mean, Desi had a thermometer shoved up his butt at the vet. He has been in unpleasant situations. He had a wasp sting him once. Never hissed. Always a sweet boy. Met one dog and fucking hissed. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, the last thing I want is for Rosie to be the source of trauma for any animal. <laughs> it's just I not just right. I just wouldn't want to see Rosie sad for a second. Because Harley dealt with it really well. She was yeah. like, okay, you're not into me. Goodbye. And like ran back to Charles and then napped the rest of the time. So she was a little trooper. But if my cats made Rosie sad, I would like... <gasps> Be devastated. <laughs> devastated, everyone. All right. Well, have a great weekend. Uh, if you have any thoughts about today's episode, hashtag Light Trees and Pod on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. Let's just get connected up in here. Thanks for listening and get out there and cause a little trouble. Bye.